Welcome back, or if it's your first time here, then thank you for joining us. This is The Doula's Guide to Dot 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 with me, Meg, also known as The Dungaree Doula. It's a podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit-chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what you've got to come. If you missed the first few episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth and parenting preparation. And if you love the podcast, then you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. This episode is another guest episode with the wonderful Meg of South Sea Birthing. She's telling us all about her positive birth. Meg had planned for a home birth, but also prepared for a free birth as she wasn't sure how she'd feel on the day or if any midwives would even be able to attend her. In the end, she felt called to free birth and chose to call the midwives afterwards to get checked over and to get a registration number and an NHS number for her baby. If you're interested in free birthing, this is always your choice. It works perfectly for some, but for others, it's good to know that you don't have to have any healthcare professional input should you choose not to. Just that I'd mention that now because I don't want to confuse anybody about your rights. For some people, it's absolutely great and it works really well to call the midwives out afterwards. And for others, it doesn't. This is a really beautiful birth story and I'm thrilled to share it on the podcast. So thank you again to Megan for speaking so eloquently about both of her births. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's go take two there. <laughs> so, do you want to start off by um, introducing yourself and saying who you are and a bit about what you do and what we're going to talk about? Okay, so I am Megan and I'm a hypnobirthing instructor. Um, I have two small girls and we will be talking today about the birth of my youngest rosemary in um august sorry i thought i had to think about that for a minute in august yeah perfect and i just remembered then actually it's quite funny to mention that so we originally started just chatting because we were both like hypnobirthing teachers both birth workers and then found out that we had this weird synchronicity didn't we that we're both called megan both have partners called ben that are in bands both have two children one of them is called juniper um so yeah it ended up being a really strange way how we ended up chatting and then finding out all this weird stuff um <laughs> but did you want to talk about affairs just to give a little bit of background do you want to just really short, um, say what happened in your first birth that sort of maybe prompted you to make the decisions that you made in your second birth and maybe a little bit of context. Okay, so with my first birth, I had a planned home birth that didn't end up being at home. It was a transfer in in the end. Um, and there was just, I hadn't really mentally prepared myself for it going any other way. So I was really thrown off, really unprepared and it was just that typical cascade of intervention that I came away from feeling really quite traumatized by the event really um so second time around I knew I definitely wanted to have um this baby at home but I had also done my hypnobirthing training between the two births so I had a lot more knowledge and had prepared myself a lot more for things not going as plan A. Yeah, I think that's such a common story. I mean, that's happened to so many people. You have your first birth and you have these plans and then they don't work out. And then you think, oh, but hypnobirthing did help. So I'm going to do my training. And then you realise, like, actually, there's so many more levels to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I did, um, I didn't do a hypnobirthing course with my first. I'd mm. looked into it quite a lot and I felt like at the time I'd done a lot of research so I was thinking oh well that's enough 
you know, I don't need to go on and do the course or anything like that. Um, but the whole experience of my first birth taught me that actually, yes, <laughs> I could have really benefited from having um, done a course. Yeah, definitely. And so then, so you was pregnant the second time and so we'll start talking about your birth, sorry, but at first, so the first thing I guess that you did, you hired a doula as well. So I guess that was sort of maybe one of the first conscious decisions as well. Yeah, that was the first thing I did before I even um, got in contact with the midwives um, to tell them that I was pregnant. I <laughs> I met my um, lovely friend Sophie um, at a birth event of some kind a couple of months beforehand and when I met her I remember thinking god if I have any more children I want her there with me so as soon as we found out um we were pregnant and we'd settled into it a little bit the first person that I contacted was Sophie um to make sure she'd be able to be there with us and she was and she supported us throughout our entire pregnancy and birth and postpartum as well and she was just just absolutely amazing and I credit a lot of how smoothly the whole event went down to her support as well I best investment that I've ever made it was yeah she was just absolutely incredible Oh, that's so lovely to hear. I mean, I, I don't know Sophie in person, but I've spoken to her quite a bit online and she does seem like a top-notch doula. <laughs> She's amazing. Absolutely amazing, yeah. Um, so what I'll do is actually, because I'll leave links in the show notes to everything all about your birth story and to find out more about you. I'll leave some on Sophie as well in case anyone wants to know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so you, yeah, like you say, you planned for a home birth, but you ended up having a free birth. So quickly, just before we tell your story, um, if anyone doesn't know, a free birth is when you birth without a medical professional, like a midwife or anyone. So was it just you, your partner, Juniper and Sophie? So Juniper is obviously, yeah, your first daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, Junie wasn't there with us in the end. Um, we'd really liked the idea of having her with us and we'd also prepared her for it in case you know I went into labour in the night and I didn't want to uproot her if she was asleep when I went into labour or anything like that but as it progressed I think well actually no I think the day that I went into labour she'd actually already planned to go and stay be with my mum's for the day so we didn't change that and actually it worked out quite well because um, it was just me, Ben and Sophie there, but we didn't have to worry about someone keeping an eye on her or taking care of her or anything. So Ben could be totally present with me in that moment. Yeah, 100%. I just, for some reason, I was getting your birth story confused with mine because mine, because <laughs> we didn't have anyone around. We had um, Isabel, my eldest, here, but actually she slept through the whole thing. So she basically wasn't here. She was just asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was just a bit of background. So that's what happened. So you ended up having a free birth. But let's get into your actual birth story, how we got to that point. Because obviously, like we said, you'd planned the home birth, ended up with making the conscious decision to free birth. So, yeah, do you want to start from the very beginning of your birth story? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, we didn't ever make the kind of concrete decision to have a free birth. It was something that we talked about a little bit. And one of those things that I'd, obviously being a birth worker and reading lots of stories and understanding the process of birth and what supports that best, 
you know, the being in that environment, being undisturbed, um, all benefits to much more straightforward kind of labour. And I've always loved the idea of it, but I always thought, oh, I wouldn't be like brave enough or um, (laughs) it would be, which sounds ridiculous, but I always thought, oh, actually, when I was in that, when I'd be in that moment, I'd probably want the um, support or reassurance of having a medical professional with us. Um, But it's something that we talked about a bit um, and I'd spoken to Sophie about it to make sure she was comfortable supporting that if that was the route that we went down. And we'd, yeah, spoken about it being an option. Ben was really happy with that as well. I did prepare for um, if that was the scenario as well. So I'd done... I can't remember what the course was, but there was an online course that Sophie had recommended to me that was really good, and that was um, like a unassisted birth course. Yeah. And it was also for if this happened to be a really quick birth or there weren't midwives that could get to us in time or any anything like that, I just wanted to be really prepared for that outcome of birthing without anyone else there. Um but, yeah, I didn't hold on to the idea of, like, this is definitely how it's going to go. It was just a, a – can't. it felt like a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. It didn't feel like something that we'd actually do, but we were entertaining the idea. Um, and, yeah, so I had gone past my due date, um, which was exactly the same as last time, so I didn't really think too much into it. I didn't expect this baby to be before – or on or around um, the due date. I was, I think, about 41 weeks when the first sort of signs that labour was approaching started amping up. And about a week, I think about 39 weeks, I, um, the baby, had, she'd moved herself completely out of my pelvis and had turned nearly back-to-back. Mm. So, well, I'm... Throughout the whole month, a couple of weeks before she was born, no, sorry, a couple of weeks before my due date, I'd had really strong signs that labour was approaching and I just really felt in my body like it was really amping up, really getting ready for labour. And then she got herself out of my pelvis and turned around. <laughs> um, and it was really bizarre because all signs of labour had completely stopped. Yeah. <laughs> was, I didn't have that feeling at all like it was approaching. My the bump had got really high again. And yeah, so that was um, quite a source of anxiety as well because part of the complications that I had with Juniper's birth was that she was not in a good position and she'd gotten herself a little bit stuck. So I was, all of that was coming up for me again, thinking, oh, is this going to be another complicated or longer birth um and she didn't she didn't move I did everything I could I did all the spinning babies and um funny like walks on the side of the pavement (laughs) and whatever (laughs) I could do to encourage this baby to get into a better position she was not really budging at all so I had a couple of weeks to kind of just make peace with that and be like okay we're gonna just it's just gonna it could just be a more challenging um labor or it could be a bit longer or whatever but I'd kind of just accepted that that was the way it was probably gonna go and felt relatively okay about it by the time that labor had actually started and she still at the start of my labor was 
not in the best position. She was still at kind of like a funny angle because I got quite used to feeling where her back was and where her little hands and feet were yeah. so I could kind of guess whereabouts she was. Um, so, yeah, we were, what, about 41 weeks and I'd woken up one morning and, like, power cleaned the car and bathroom and just had this massive cleaning surge and I was like oh okay maybe this is a sign yeah starting starting to happen and again that evening it spent the evening doing some funny little exercises to try and encourage her to be in a better position and I just had this feeling like oh something's we're we're on the cusp of something here and I'd woken up the next day and it was finally cooler and raining um and this is after like, I don't know how many heat waves we had last year in August and July, but it was so hot to be that heavily pregnant. It was awful. <laughs> so I remember waking up for the day. This was the day before she was born and going, ah, oh, this is a good day to have a baby. <laughs> and then that, that morning, I think I'd lost my mucus plug and then I was really, really low energy that day and I think oh, my body was just trying to reserve all my energy and prepare for um the like the start of labor yes. so by that evening I started to get some contractions just really mildly um really easy to deal with but also I knew from my experience of my first labor that I had a sort of stop start contractions for about three weeks before juniper was born so like every evening or every couple of days I'd have a couple of hours where I'd be getting really sporadic contractions and then they'd not amount to anything so I wasn't holding on to any of that yeah um and then they'd but by the evening they were fairly consistent but really mild so we just um, I was just on on my birth ball, bouncing, and watched. Um, I think I watched the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special because <laughs> it is one of my most favourite episodes of anything, and it's just like ultimate comfort show. Yeah. So in the middle of summer, that was what I decided to watch, <laughs> like octopus and booth. Um, yeah, so we went to bed, and I got a bit of sleep on and off. Um, there was the contractions were still quite at a at a consistent level of being, I knew that my body was in early labour, but it wasn't really progressing any further, but it was it was manageable. So we were just trying to get some sleep beforehand. And I think I just slept with my headphones on all night, yeah. in and out of sleep, listening to my early labour um, playlist that I've made of all like my favourite favorite music. And then when we'd gotten up in the morning, Ben had gone and taken Junie round to my mum's um, and it was we had a really lovely couple of hours with her in the morning and I think we were all just so aware that this was the last time we were spending together as just the three of us. Yeah. Before, and like next time we saw her, we'd have another baby. And it was, it was really, really lovely. And I think we were all really emotional as well about yeah. that. <laughs> I can relate to that. We had we had the exact same thing. I remember being in the park and feeling I was in early labour and being like, this is it. But I think that's a big oxytocin boost as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And with, um, with that morning, I was 
sat on my ball having quite a lot of contractions and Jeannie was just she'd just come along and she'd like stroke my belly and like Aww. cuddle me and like try and rub my back and she was only she just over two and a half yeah and it was just so sweet she just knew that something was going on she knew that I had a baby in my belly and yeah. she was very aware of all of that um and she still talks she still talks about when I had a baby in my belly now and Rosemary is seven months old <laughs> no yeah, she used to actually she'd use it as an excuse for why she couldn't do something because I'd say she'd want me to pick her up or something towards the end of my pregnancy and I'd go, I, I can't because the baby in my tummy, I can't do this or whatever. And I'd start asking her to do things and she'd be like, no, because I've got a baby in my bed. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that is nifty and incredibly cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Juniper went to my mum's and we just potted around for the day really I'd been in touch with Sophie to let her know where we were at I was still quite confident that this was early labour it ramped up a little bit more in the morning but still very um very manageable not really progressing hugely um so we just I'd get in and out of the bath a little bit we went for a few walks Ben was um Ben was cooking. That was that sort of his go-to was <laughs> to just cook and make some nice food and snacks for us. Um, Sophie came around, I don't know, maybe about midday, early afternoon, and sat with us for a couple of hours. And she said, after being there for a couple of hours, like I don't, she, we could all see that things weren't really progressing, um, and that she thought it'd be a good idea if maybe she went for a couple of hours and. Um, we tried to get some rest, maybe eat a bit, a decent meal, and then would see how things were going because she was very aware that with her there that I might feel like I was being watched and that feeling could hinder how things progress yeah. in that early stage as well. So we agreed that was a good idea. She went home for a couple of hours um, and I took her advice and actually ate proper meal rather than just actually sort of snacking throughout the day, which was what I was doing. And as soon as I ate a proper meal, um, the, everything just picked up in intensity straight away. And I wonder if my body was just waiting for that proper fuel yeah, that boost. to really <laughs> be, able to, be able to work properly. Um, and that was about five-ish in the evening, I think. And so we, as soon as we were quite confident that things were um, picking up, we'd contacted Sophie. And I think she came round by about eight o'clock. And I was using a TENS machine the whole time as well, which was just the most incredible pain relief. It was amazing. I can't believe how much of, um, how much of a help it was. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was so good. Um, so Sophie came back and she got she got the pool set up and everything for us. And she was really what I really loved about it was that she could just get on with all the really practical stuff, so that Ben didn't have to worry about any of that, and that he could just be really present for me. Because at that point, what I really needed was that support and connection through the contractions, because they were taking all of my energy to yeah. focus on them. The, having someone with me for it was really beneficial whereas in the early labour I was quite happy 
getting through it all by myself. But then when things had picked up, I was really grateful for that extra support as well. So we'd, Sophie had set up the pool and she'd, um, she was asking whether or not, you know, we wanted to get in. And I was thinking, oh, it's probably too early or um, it might, is it going to slow the labour down or whatever, like all these things that can possibly happen. Um, But we did decide to get in and it was the most incredible pain relief as well. I was really, really shocked um, by how beneficial that was. And I wasn't looking forward to taking my... um, taking my tens machine off yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much I was like oh no but um when and it, when, when we got in I felt my contraction stop for a couple of minutes and I thought oh right everything's slowed down <laughs> just because I've gotten the water but I think actually in hindsight that was probably around transition yeah and now I was the whole um labor I was using um my previous birth as kind of a idea of how far through yeah like a reference point yeah absolutely because obviously where I didn't have any um any medical professionals with us um I didn't know how dilated I was or anything like that so I was using that as as a reference for how far through the labour I was. But when um, when I was in labour with Juniper, my the intensity of like the the pain of it was just so much worse than it was this time round. That I was going well when I, I remember being around about this much pain. I was still in the early stages, so I've still got ages to go. Still yeah. got ages to go, and maybe. That was also me trying to protect myself and not think that I could possibly be close to giving birth to the baby because I did have such a long labour last time that I was, um, I think I was really preparing myself for a long labour this time. And I had already been in that kind of early stage of labour with quite consistent um, but easy conditions for about 24 hours, maybe a little bit less. And the whole time, again, using that as a um, as a reference as well, I was thinking, well, if I'm still this early on, I don't want to call anyone yet because I don't want anyone that I don't know in my space. Yeah. And that's just I, the last thing I wanted was anyone else in that space yeah. because having Ben and Sophie there, they just they were so supportive and so calm and so it just really nurturing and really were taking care of me. And I thought the last thing I want is strangers coming into my space and telling me how to do what or uh, what to do or anything like that. But also I think probably a bit of leftover fear from my previous birth was that I was thinking, well, as soon as they get here, they'll find something wrong or they'll, they'll be yeah. something that will um, be a suggestion for me to go to the hospital yeah. or we'll call them and they say they won't have the midwife and then I'll have to go to the hospital and I think not that that's what happens in a home birth but that was just how it went for me last time so I think there was that I just expected it to kind of go in the same kind of trajectory so I really the last thing I wanted was to call um, anybody and have that bubble burst I think was what I was feeling would happen yeah. 
Um, so we were in the pool, and not long after being in the pool, I just started to feel a little bit pushy. Not, like, overwhelmingly pushy, but just a little bit. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this is baby just trying to rotate themselves a bit and get into a better position. I can't possibly be ready to actually push them out yet. It's still so early on. And I was just following those little sort of pushy instincts. And they just they just didn't really stop. <laughs> um, and it's much more intense when I could feel her in go, going through my hips. And that was probably the, hard, the most challenging part of the labour for mm. me because I could really feel the intensity of her moving through my pelvis. And with every contraction, I just got Ben to really lean into my hips, really push, really, really push into them yeah. through the contractions to relieve the pressure. And that made a massive difference. Yeah, that's the best in it. I feel like when I'm doulaing for people, that's probably what I do for like the majority of the time, just squeeze people's yeah. hips. <laughs> and it is the best relief ever. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> Um, and bearing in mind as well, it was really hot, and we were—I was so determined to be in the pool because the like the relief of being in the water was just amazing. That um, it was—it was so hot, and we were like in a, such a hot bath, and we were both there like sweating because it was so warm. And um, I was like, no, I don't want to get out. So Sophie, bless her, had gotten all our. Um, all our towels and our flannels and had got them wet and put them in the freezer. So uh-huh. every 10 minutes she was coming out and giving us like new frozen flannels yeah. to put on our heads. <laughs> and it's so, it was so nice. It kind of kept me cool enough to actually be able to be in the pool. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise she kind of, yeah, like I said, she did with the really sort of practical things and she they'd lit the cat like candles for us and had made a, uh, kind of nest on the sofa for after for afterwards and I think it was around that kind of time that I turned around to Ben and I just said I don't want to call anybody like are you okay with that and he was like yeah absolutely he was really happy and confident and comfortable with how the day was going so we were quite happy just carrying on as we were yeah um and yeah and then so Sophie had come into the room and she was be making sure I drank um, between contractions and was like feeding me a cup of water with a straw and like honey from the spoon <laughs> and just keeping my energy levels up really well, which was amazing. And yeah, she encouraged me to try and see if I could feel anything and if I could feel her head. And I did and I could. And I think that was the moment that I went oh, we are actually just about to have a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's And we are definitely having another baby <laughs> because it doesn't it always doesn't feel entirely real before yeah. it, um, before they're actually here, does it? No, it's that, such a... Sh- I completely <laughs> understand what you mean. You kind of just feel that. Like, I think especially the second time round because you do use your first birth as a reference and most people do mm. have such different experiences that when it's happening, you're almost in denial until the end and then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah so I just um I really followed these little pushy sensations that I was getting and Sophie had a a little handheld mirror and I put it on the bottom of the pool and I could see so I could watch her being born 
And it was so helpful as well, seeing what my contractions were doing and what those pushes were doing. And I didn't get that overwhelming kind of um, urge to push like my body was doing it for me, um, which I did I did get last time. I really could feel like my body was pushing itself and there was no way that I was stopping that. With this time, I just knew it needed a little encouragement. So I was... Um, yeah, just watching what these pushes were doing as I could see her head coming out. And that was just absolutely amazing. And that we could both watch it yeah. as it was happening. Um, and then she came out quite quickly, really. Um, she had a cord kind of around her head and body a little bit, but that was, you know, no problem. I just unraveled her before I brought her out from the water and then just brought her straight onto my chest um, she was. She took a couple of minutes to fully come to, and she was a little bit quiet, I suppose. Yeah. And I don't think she really realised that she was born straight away. Yeah. So we just sort of tapped her feet, rubbed her back, and she was she was fine. Um, I did never felt any anxiety about it. Yeah. In that moment, and it's funny because when you're when I look because Sophie videoed the whole thing, and when I watched it back seeing her take a little moment to come back um to come to sorry makes me go oh but actually when yeah. I was in that moment it, I, I just had this deep sense that I knew that she was fine yeah and it was the same with the whole labor is that at no point did I have any fear come up whatsoever yeah and it just I suppose when you turn off that really um you quieten the conscious mind and that thinky part of worrying part of you and you can just be it can be much more of an instinctual event yeah that I was just able to really just follow that instinct and it didn't feel like a big deal that we'd done that without any medical professionals there it just felt really normal and natural it just felt like the right thing to do yeah um and it was just it was amazing it was absolutely amazing um and not long after she was born, I started to get some more contractions for the placenta to be born, um, which I couldn't quite get the right comfy position on to um, to get it out in the pool. So I got out and pretty much straight away, it just flopped out. <laughs> and we um, left her attached to her placenta for a couple of hours, I think. We got... Um, we got onto the sofa and I laid down with her, um, just had like skin to skin and just fed for a long time. And not long after, not long after we got onto the sofa, I'd asked Sophie to call the midwife because I thought I'd just like someone to come out, check me over and check her over and just kind of also be aware that she's here as yeah, well. Yeah, so just to get it out of the way. Notifying of birth as well. Yeah. Um, which they did, and I'd had, um, I think a second degree tear, but it was really funny. I got out of I got out of the pool, and I was like, I don't think I've torn at all. I feel great, nothing. Like, I feel nothing sore or anything down there. I think I'm absolutely fine, yeah. but we'll call them just in case. And when I was um, checked over, she said, Yeah, it was quite a bad second degree. So there was a little bit of umming and ahhing, uh, sorry, umming and ahhing as to whether it was a second or third. Um, so we made the decision to go into the hospital to just be 
short of that and have some stitches. But because it was that last weekend of August, it was bank holiday weekend, in that weekend we have a festival in Portsmouth. Um, So a lot of the ambulance services were not available for a while. So we ended up waiting um, for an ambulance for about four hours. But but actually, I was quite glad of that because it meant that I could just rest and I wasn't, Mm. I didn't have to be like uprooted straight away. And we could just sort of soak in that time with Rosie for the first couple of hours. We didn't have to move. We didn't have to do anything. Um, And I was feeling quite weary and quite weak after the birth. But that was also because I I really needed um, some food, but because they weren't sure whether it was a second or third and third would require um, going to theatre, I was advised against eating in case I did need to go to theatre. So it was, it was um, yeah, it was a bit of toing and froing a little bit with yeah. that because the reason that we were going to drive to the hospital, but the reason that an ambulance they'd opted for, for an ambulance was because I was feeling quite weak yeah. um, and a bit dizzy. But I, I had quite low blood um, blood sugars when I was pregnant so I knew it was just that feeling and that kind of like I really need to eat something but yeah. being advised against eating <laughs> at the same time so um but we got there eventually and we spent the next day in the hospital and luckily it was a second degree so I was able to just have stitches there and then and we were sent home later that day so was you so you, was you just in the hospital for a, a couple of hours or something um, we were there for a little bit longer, but that was um, because of some other bits that they'd noticed with Rosie's skin that they wanted to get just checked over. So right. if it had been just for the just for me, just for the stitches, then it, we would have been yeah. uh, in and out quite quickly. But we ended up spending the whole day there just because they wanted to get um, her seen by a couple of other people. Yeah. Um, who sort of checked me over she was really really great she was really good at kind of explaining what was um the pros and cons of of having the stitches and kind of made it very clear that going into hospital was it was my choice yeah and it wasn't um like you have to do this but also explained you know but if you don't and it is a third degree this is what can happen and blah blah so yeah she was really good at really explaining my choices and my rights and it being very much my decision rather than telling me what I needed to do and I really appreciated that yeah oh yeah I bet um and did you feel when they came I mean you don't have to answer this but did you tell them that you'd like had a free birth or did you just sort of tell them oh it just happened quickly um I I did tell them that I'd um that I'd sort of decided not to call anybody but on the on the kind of understanding that it was um that all it kind of it all kicked up quickly and before I knew it I was pressuring and I didn't want to call anyone then I think was sort of how I framed it so it wasn't like I'd really planned it yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I really thought I was going to get told off and well that's that's why I asked because I think a lot of the time you do hear of people just saying like we just told them that it was a BBA ball before arrival just literally for the ease (laughs) yeah and do you know what as well I when I went for my I think five or ten day checkup 
um, the midwife who I was seeing, who I'd never seen before, she said, um, she asked about where uh, she was born. And I said, oh, she was born at home. And um, we sort of had an unassisted birth. And she went, oh, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, there was a woman chatting about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, yeah, maybe they've, they've talked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it all sounds incredible. And so then you came home afterwards and, and I guess, how did, how did you feel after that? Did you feel different to the first time around or? You know what? I felt absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only time that I didn't post, like in the immediate postpartum was when we were having a lot of this uncertainty as to what degree of care that I'd experienced so yeah. as to what the whether I'd need to go to theatre or not and that was the only time it felt a bit I felt overwhelmed but other than that as soon as they'd made that decision and we'd had the stitches and we'd um just been able to fully just take in the new baby it was I felt amazing I felt so so much better than I did um after having Juniper and I think partly being a shorter labour yeah I would put that to as well because I wasn't as physically exhausted but Rosie was born at 20 past 11 on the Friday evening and then we didn't get to the hospital till about 7 8 6 or 7 a.m and so we didn't really sleep that night either but despite that I just felt I felt great I was on such like an oxytocin high for about two weeks afterwards (laughs) And that immediate postpartum as well, those first couple of weeks, I was really prepared to feel, you know, really emotional and have that big hormonal dip at, what was it, about day three. And all of these things that I'd experienced last time that I was fully expecting to, I didn't realise how much of the struggles that I had in the first few weeks were actually down to the birth rather than my hormones or anything like that. Yeah. and the only sort of source of anxiety that there was after having her was the fact that Ben was going um, on a t- on tour in America for two months. And he left, I think, when she was about two weeks old. Yeah. So in the last week, in the second week, we were kind of gearing ourselves up for that a bit. But it didn't really, that was the only stress factor in that first couple of weeks. And she was just the most happiest, contented little baby for the first couple of weeks as well. She was so, she just sleep and feed and was just so happy. And yeah, it was such a different experience that postpartum to my first one where I was processing so much from how the birth had played out. And we just had a blissful like first week in bed. Um, I'd, and as well with Ben leaving, it meant that we were able to set boundaries much easier with other people. Yeah, but So it, it was, I didn't feel bad or didn't think, oh, well, I'll just let those, these people come around because they want to. Uh, we made it very clear before she was born that we were only, we weren't really having any guests apart from like our parents for the first couple of weeks because Ben would be off and we really wanted just to soak up all that time together. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like bliss. <laughs> it was it was lovely. It was so nice. The whole thing, like, thank you so much for sharing it because the whole thing just sounds so incredible. And it, it's so nice to hear that even though you did have 
a difficult first birth, but it didn't it didn't affect you in in your second birth because I, I know a lot of people like you said you put in a lot of work to untangling what happened in between and I think that that's really just important for people to hear that even if you do have something happen in the first birth that doesn't mean that it's going to happen again like you can work through it and things can be different oh absolutely and you know I still had so all those kind of fears and anxieties pop up when during the pregnancy yeah and it really surprised me just how little or how I had none throughout the labor yeah nothing came up and nothing um bothered me you know everything I just just trusted myself so much more and that was where I was navigating from rather than from fear or from kind of like doing things a certain way because this is how I was recommended to navigate it and it was just from how I felt and I just I knew everything was fine and it was so much nicer leaning into that rather than it being governed by um, fear and anxiety this time round. Um, but it, I had my affirmations up on the wall and I had them um, repeating to myself through contractions as well. I was just constantly telling myself the same things and really focusing on really relaxing and leaning into it and just letting it happen rather than trying to fight it. And that made all the difference as well yeah definitely yeah those things are so important and it just seemed like you just had like the perfect team as well it kind of feels like everything just aligned for you and it just went it was it was great to hear thank you so much for sharing it oh thanks for having me so lovely oh thank you so I'll let you um I'll let you get off but first do you want to just quickly talk about your because you've just returned to birth work after having um rosary do you want to quickly talk about what you've got coming up yeah, so I um, have just started in the last couple of weeks back to um, teaching again. Um, for now, I don't have any workshops or anything like that in um, the immediate future. Um, ben is Ben is back on tour again, so we are kind of juggling, um, trying to manage solo parenting alongside getting my work back up and running but I am offering private courses um be that in on zoom or face-to-face if you are local to Portsmouth um I do a intensive um course as well so it's not so it's two weeks rather than four weeks and I do like a power hour session so you can kind of talk about anything that you want to um, and we can we can look into any element and a session for postnatal planning as well. All of which can be done in person if you're local or on Zoom if not. Perfect, thank you. So yeah, I'll leave all the links to all of those things if you do want to find out more about um, Megan and her work. It's, we should probably say what it's called, South Sea Birthing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave the link to all of that um, in the show notes so definitely go and check it out and thank you again so so much for um, coming on and for sharing your story thank you it's been lovely so that concludes my chat with Megan all about her incredible free birth I really hope that you enjoyed listening to it and maybe even you learned something that you might utilize in your own pregnancy and birth too if you have any questions, then be sure to come and find me on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula or head over to Megan's page where she's at South Sea Bethin. As I said, I'll leave all of the links in the show notes below.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do stick around, like, follow and subscribe, or even leave a little review if you don't mind, because it's so very helpful for getting my little podcast out there. Speak soon. See you next week. Bye.